0: I went through this weird, like, materialistic, money-oriented stage where I kind of wanted to be an investment banker. I was like, I want to make as much money as possible. I think it's out of date to think that sustainability is not cool and stuff. Young people, it is like a, kind of at like the forefront of their mind. But I do think that if it's not if it's not convenient and if it's difficult to be sustainable, then people are less inclined to to do it.
1: What I have interest is your views on Primark and Amazon. And I don't know if you have any views on, on the wider issue of, of you know, sustainable fashion. hello and welcome to another bout of unboxing today my sparring partner is harriet noy harriet is the founder of Hazar, a sustainable zero waste student marketplace where you can buy secondhand clothes and other items harriet has launched this business and expanded it to several universities across the uk all whilst being a student herself so an impressive amount achieved at such a young age. And um, yeah, in particular, looking forward to learning a little bit more about the the circular and sustainable business model that she's got and and how she plans to roll that out. And and also just a bit of an insight into the younger generation. So welcome to the ring, Harriet.
0: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: No worries at all. I I just wanted to dive straight into it really uh, and ask how is it to be a student during this time? you know, with, with what's going on with, with COVID?
0: Yeah, it's not too bad, actually. I feel like we're one of the groups that are probably like the least affected. Um, so yeah, like lectures have obviously been moved all online. Um, but I think that's actually worked a lot better for me because I found that like last year and in my first year, I'd go to lectures, but actually not really listen that carefully. And then in my head I'd be like, oh, I've done loads of work just started I'd attended these lectures. So wow. actually it being all online has meant that I can like stretch my time a lot better, um, and just been, I'm lucky that I live with seven girls in my house, and we all are like best mates. So we've just been having a good time and going for lots of nice walks, doing like nice things at the weekends. Um, so yeah, not not been too bad. Very
1: nice. What what is it that you study?
0: I study economics.
1: Okay, so do you feel like it's it, it's related to what you're doing with Hazar or do you see them as very separate uh, projects, if you like?
0: Yeah, like I see them; they're completely separate. Um, there's if I'm honest there's literally been no overlap at all um so yeah I suppose the only overlap I had was one of my modules in this term was um I had to write like a self-reflective journal on something that's happened and I wrote that about like an event that happened with Hazar and that I suppose that like exercise that like self-reflection was quite interesting and I learned quite a lot about myself that, that I can then apply to Hazar okay. um but in general all of like the economic mod- models that I'm learning and stuff maybe in some ways it might help a little bit in ways that aren't obvious but in general there's not really an overlap
1: yeah when you chose what you need to go to and when you were thinking like left school was entrepreneurship and starting something on your mind or is it just of about really. random so, what, what was your thought process when you were kind of 18 19
0: yeah so so when I was about 18 I i was studying economics a level I absolutely loved the a level it was at the time that Brexit was happening and I felt like it really gave me like a massive insight into just a whole new way of thinking that I'd never really, really thought about before. Um, and I just found like when I was listening to the news and they were talking about all like the economic effects, I was like, oh, I know what they mean. And I, I kind of felt like it was such a relevant subject. Um, and then I thought I was quite, when I was about 18, I was very, I went through this weird like materialistic money orientated stage where I kind of wanted to be an investment banker I was like I want to make as much money as possible I went traveling before uni my mum sent me traveling with this book like it was called like the female investment banker and it was all like oh it's gonna be this rich investment banker in London and I hate maths and I got to uni so I got to uni but never liked maths um didn't start to not really like my course anymore because the degree went delved a bit deeper than just like the kind of stuff that I found interesting it went more into like the equations and the science behind all these models and stuff um and then so then I kind of realized actually I don't want to work in finance and I joined the startup society which was kind of like a society where we just every week there'd be speakers that come in and um like start up who, who, who have their own startups and they would just chat about like their businesses and their journey and everything and that really sparked something in me and I'd like I'd feel It'd be weird, like there'd be those talks maybe on like a Tuesday night at like 7pm. And during those two hours while I'd be in that talk, I would be buzzing, like like, this is what I want to do. This is so cool. And then the next day I'd go to like an economics lecture and I'd just be like, oh my God, this is so crap. Like, what am I doing? And it was just so interesting that I realised that actually what I thought I wanted to do was not what I wanted to do. And actually, I feel quite lucky that I ended up figuring out that actually startups and business was actually kind of my calling.
1: So it was you found the startup society before you had the idea for Hazar, or was it the other way around? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get the idea for Hazar until um, midway through second year. Well, no, Christmas in second year. Um, the startup society I was kind of attending since first year, um, and I started listening to um, Stephen Bartlett's um, Diary of the CEO podcast in first year, um, and I feel like that's probably what sparked my initial interest in startups and stuff like just. I just felt like I really resonated with his way of thinking and he'd like Mm -hmm. dropped out of uni and at the time I was thinking I I never thought about dropping out of uni but at the time I was thinking I'm so different to all these people I don't want to do what like I don't want I had like a contact at Barclay Card someone that I'd met on work experience and she'd almost handed me an internship at Barclay Card just said fill out your name here and I just didn't do it I just didn't want to do it and then I ended up every summer just doing internships for like little startups just like across the UK and that like they were
1: the things that i enjoyed way more. Mm. It's it's really interesting that it was the same for me in that i went through the whole of school and uni and even though my dad was actually an entrepreneur himself entrepreneurship or the idea of doing your own thing had never been presented to me as something that was kind of a possibility or like this is a genuine like career path that some people that suits some people um in my head it was always just this like risky thing that normally did there's just not that much education around it and one of the big reasons I wanted to start and I think like I've listened to a lot of Stephen Bartlett's podcast as well and I think you know it's it's a it's just a very different paradigm to school uni like it's a totally different way of thinking about your career and like going about kind of succeeding and doing well. Um yeah, is I what I find. Great. So I think yeah. it's, it's really interesting that, you know, you kind of just stumbled across that kind of content. And it, it's that kind of content that you need to sort of shift your mindset to be in a position to sort of make it as a as a self starter, I guess, rather than yeah. in the school and uni system, which is a little bit more, you know, this is the work, hit like learn the learn the answers and then regurgitate it, which is kind of a different way of thinking.
0: Yeah, well, in that investment banker um, book that I was reading, they were basically saying that if you wanted to make it in that kind of industry, you're expected to start work at 5 a.m. and finish work at 1 in the morning and schedule emails to leave your email at 4 in the morning so that people think you're working at 4 in the morning. And I just thought, I I value, like, I just thought about what I value in my life, and that's flexibility, kind of freedom, fun, like, being able to do kind of what, I, like, just go for a walk when I want, go for a run when I want, just kind of do st- kind of stuff like that and I just thought with a career like that there's absolutely no way I'm gonna ever be able to do that um and then so I feel like that's the realization of what was actually important to me and like like yeah freedom and flexibility made me just think that actually working for myself and doing something like that is way more kind of suited to like what I want to do
1: yeah i love that just the 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 female investment banker book and just realizing hang on this is definitely not the path i want to go down yeah but yeah i think I, y- yeah. you've you've um. kind of it's you've done self-reflection quite early there because i think people realize that later in life like when they've actually maybe gone a bit further down that path and um, you know not that it's the wrong path like for some people it's probably the right path and there's loads of benefits to doing that but it's much better to figure out you know when you're 18 19 20 than you know 15 20 years later i guess
0: yeah yeah because i've really i really try and say that to my mates and stuff now because at uni a lot of my friends are in that so in final year obviously you get to that point where everyone's applying to grad jobs and thinking about what what they want to do and like say in my house we chat about it all the time really like everyone's applying to different placements and stuff and i'm just like okay so what's like what what's important to you like what matters the most and then kind of try and build your career around that because Mm -hmm. I feel like at this age you're kind of all of your mates are kind of trying to push to get like the biggest the the highest starting salary and a job but then they end up doing stuff that they're not even interested in but it's just because you feel like that's what you should be doing um Mm -hmm. whereas actually I think if you try and when you I don't know if you try and just make things more like purpose driven I think you end up you'll end up being happier and then I think if you're happy and good at what you're doing then if money and whatever should, could potentially follow, should follow. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, exactly. I I think I have a similar outlook there. Um, yeah. It's not a case of, you know, being impractical and not giving a shit about money. Like you still have to be practical and, and like, you know, take responsibility for all those things. But it, as you say, like, it's just a pur- more purpose led approach. Um, but yeah. that's cool. I, I wanted to ask about, so even though you see them as two separate projects and You've you've obviously got this business which which looks like it's going really well. Do you see your degree as just something that you want to get done and get under your belt? Or like how do you look view it now and how do you see your career path kind of spanning out? Will it just be a case yeah. of getting it done?
0: Oh yeah. I, I just view my degree as just getting it done. Um so I've done I've had exams over Christmas. So I've done 60% of my degree now. Um got that at like a two on. And then, so now I've just got to do my, do my like dissertation and then a few more modules. can't wait to get shots of it really. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, I just see it as obviously like, I don't know, over summer I was actually dreading final year because I just struggled for motivation with it. And over summer I was doing like Huzzah every day and I was just buzzing. I'd wake in the morning. I'd be like, let's go. Like just smashing it all day. And just like a day never felt really like work. Whereas when I'm doing uni stuff, because it's a subject that I'm not even passionate about, I'm just having to like drag myself to do it. Um, so I'm quite excited to just get it done. And I'll be done in a few months. And I don't regret from this uni at all, because one of the, um, I don't know if we we're going to come to this later, but one of the ways I ended up setting up his art was because my friend and I founded a plastic free society at the start of our second year. Um, and then that kind of, I suppose that kind of got me interested in the sustainability aspects and kind of sparked my interest in this, I wouldn't have set up Hazara if it wasn't for Plastic Free UOB that the society we set up and then obviously I wouldn't have set it up if I wasn't at uni because I wouldn't have realized it, the problem I still am like really grateful I'm really glad that I came to uni sure. um but in terms of my actual degree I don't think I've really benefited I don't think I've I don't know much about economics if you ask me like what I think about econ- the economic impacts of covid I mean, maybe I'd be able to give you a briefing, but like I don't feel like mm. I can confidently talk about it. Um,
1: yeah. I, I was exactly yeah. the same at uni. I studied biology and even though like it was a good degree on paper and it was you know, everyone was like, Oh, this will set you up so well for life. I I was I basically stopped going to lectures at one point and yeah. then just kind of cram in as much as possible and and I was the same as you. I was thinking like I don't really see myself using this, but I'm just going to get it done, and I think I think there is merit in that. And like as like you, I really enjoyed my time at uni overall, and feel like it was a great experience, more like socially, and it's like yeah, a, part, exactly. a part of who I am now. And as you say, there's yeah. there's loads of things that you sort of just stumble across and learn, like whilst your time at uni that then will shape the rest of your career. So it's 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 never like one where I go, I wish I didn't go to uni, but I just think yeah. having gone through it, it would make. More sense that like if we could just make the whole experience it, t- take all the good things about it and 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 like kind of change the things that don't make sense. Like surely yeah. we can get you know a curriculum that, that that there's such a disconnect between what people study at uni generally and then when what they do for their career. So yeah, I think it I think it needs to be questioned and potentially changed in a few ways. But um yeah, I guess that's a that's a, a whole nother podcast to be honest
0: yeah yeah no yeah no i do get you I, yeah like i didn't feel when i was setting up bizarre like there wasn't really that much support to be fair like from my uni at all um and there, but then in hindsight i was chatting to my mum my about this the other day because my uni recently have kind of been getting in touch and offering me all sorts of help and i was like, oh, kind of a bit late now but actually <laughs> i feel like i wouldn't have learned all the things that I did if like I was getting loads of support like there was so much stuff that I just had to just figure out for myself and I feel like that actually led to quite a lot of like really important lessons um so in hindsight I suppose it's not a bad thing just having to figure shit out for yourself
1: (laughs) sure exactly exactly it's like take taking that responsibility and learning by doing like as you say like once you started having that project like you just have to learn you force yourself to learn
0: yeah Um,
1: so I think it's just a different way of going about it hello I hope you are enjoying the show so far I just wanted to take the time in this short break to bring to your awareness a little Facebook group that I run totally free called the unboxing gym And I'm always looking to connect with innovators doing exciting and new things. So if any of this show resonates with you and you feel you could benefit from connecting with um, a wide array of other innovators, do just simply drop me a message and I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the rest of the show. But anyway, you led me quite nicely, naturally onto um, Hazar and how that came about. So yeah, it was really interested in hearing the origin story. And also like you mentioned the, the Plastic Free Society, like how, how did you actually come? What Why did you start that in the first place?
0: Yeah, so, so in first year, um, me and my housemate Sarah, we just kind of noticed that around uni, there was just so much single use plastic. So like unnecessarily, like for example, um, there was no eat in options at all the different catering outlets, even though everyone would always eat in. So everything was always in little like plastic takeaway boxes and all there was all like takeaway coffee cups. Um, our student union, everything was just all in plastic, and we're just like, this is just crazy. Um so yeah, so we just said, oh, should we just set up one day we we're literally like, oh, should we just set up a plastic free society? Um so we did. Um we set, set that up this up second year, and our kind of goal of that was to try and reduce single-use plastic across campus um we ended up getting i think we had like 300 members um and we'd hold like regular canal cleans litter picks um do events where we'd invite like outside external speakers to come in and talk about how they could inspire um how they can inspire us to like reduce single-use plastic in our lives and then another really key part of our role as well was that we kind of acted as like a bridge between the students and the staff at uni so we'd always we'd probably have meetings with head, the heads of catering heads of student union heads of just loads of different heads of, head of state and whatever about how they can and reduce single-use plastic because something that I hadn't really realized is that university is a business and our students are their customers so they really want to they they'll do what we want like if, if students are demanding that they have like eating options at all of the catering outlets then they're going to have to do that um So that was quite, I don't know, that we kind of had quite a lot of success there because then one of the brand new buildings on campus, they had a cafe and the cafe was completely um, plastic free. So that kind of showed that it was kind of making a difference. So yeah, so then enough about plastic free. Just Um, generally,
1: I wanted to ask like a a point on that. Um, It's becoming more and more of a a hot topic, you know, sustainability and plastic free. Do you think it's something that's really important to the younger generation and and almost something that's like championed and quite cool?
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%. Our Plastic Free Society was, like, really cool. Everyone, would get loads of people... <laughs> that, that so good. <laughs> yeah, but, like we'd, get, like, we'd get... loads of people coming to our talks, the canal cleans, the litter picks. So, uh, one of our um, canal cleans got filmed by ITV, and it was just... there's just, like, fun and buzz around it. Like, we just kind of... I think sustainability... I think it's out of date to think that sustainability is not cool and stuff. Young people, it is, like, a, kind of, at like the forefront of their mind. But I do think that if it's not if it's not convenient and if it's difficult to be sustainable then people are less inclined to to do it like to to kind of make those like life changes um that kind of convenience aspect brings me on to like Hazar and how I came up with the like the idea for Hazar
1: yeah so so having heard about the Plastic Free Society what what was the kind of catalyst from there to then create Hazar
0: yeah so um so last year I lived in a house of 10 girls um, which is pretty pretty chaotic. Um, and we're all parts of different sports teams. And then every Wednesday it'd be sports night and we need a costume. And we'd always find ourselves on a Tuesday, Amazon Prime a costume, or going into town and going to Prime, like buying buy a costume. But actually, the um the theme for the sports night just rotates around all the different sports teams. So I rea- we kind of realized that actually someone two doors down the road had that theme the week before and now has that costume lying on their bedroom floor that they're never going to wear again. So there was clearly a platform missing for students to buy and sell between each other. So literally, from that, from the moment we had that idea, we were like, "Oh, well, let's just set up a Facebook marketplace for students to buy and sell between each other." So literally, the next day, we did. The next day, we set up this Facebook marketplace. We shared it on Facebook, printed out some posters, and put them up all around the uni with like a QR code link straight to the page. Um, and literally, within 24 hours, we had 2,000 members on the page. Um, wow. And now, now that page has like four and a half thousand members. So then, from that. So kind of, so then from that Facebook page, I remember the day we set it up, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I feel like this could really work because students obviously all love Depop and love vintage clothes and like buying secondhand and everything. So it just was, and it just, it just, it just, just, I just kind of thought, okay, this is, I think I'm onto something. And then I spoke to my mates at other unis and I was like, do you have anything like this at your uni? And every, literally the response from everywhere was no, no, no. So I thought, well, how can I make a platform? How can I replicate what I've created? at the University of Birmingham, at universities across the UK. Um, so then I kind of, so then I thought, okay, well, I can make an app that gives every uni, like, their own little, like, kind of, like, mini Depop, like, kind of vibe. They can just sell anything. Um, and then a lot happened to be fair. From when I first got that idea, I then thought, okay, I'll try and work for a computer science student, kind of be, like, have, like a technical co-founder, and they can, like, make the app, and then I'll do the business side of stuff. Um, and then that just clearly wasn't really going to work. And then I had a few offers from people that liked the idea, saying who own kind of like product studios, being like, oh, go 50-50 in it. Well, like, not 50-50, but like, let's go in on this together and we can work together. But again, that just didn't seem like the right thing to do. And then one of my mentors just said, you know what, Harriet, like, if you can't... I was getting quotes basically for app, develop- app development for like 20K, yeah. which is pretty cheap for like an app anyway. And then I was like, how the hell am I going to get 20K? And then this, my mentor just went. Um, that is called Dan. He just went, Harry. If you can't raise twenty grand, it's probably a crap idea, and you should just stop. And I, that was literally what I needed. And I just went, all right. And at the time, it wasn't what I wanted to hear. But I said to my parents, I was like, okay, I'm going to raise twenty grand. And they went, how the hell are you going to do that? I was like, I just will. <laughs> so then I, the next day, I put together a pitch deck, just like bullet pointed, like on like PowerPoint. Sent it to my mate who's like super creative. She made the pitch deck look like amazing. Then the next week, I sent it out to loads of people on LinkedIn. Like, I've always been quite good at networking and like building my connections and stuff. So I sent it out to people on LinkedIn, just being like basically asking for investment. And then ended up a guy that I did work experience for when I was about like 13 just said, You know what, Harry, like my wife and I have always believed in you from a young age, like pitch it to me next Tuesday and we'll go from there. So I pitched it to them um, and they're on board and they've been amazing. So kind of raised that investment and then did it. Then I, I kind of realized that I only really want to spend half my investment on like the technology because obviously I'd need money left over for like marketing and all the other kind of stuff. Um, so I was trying to find someone to build the app for 10k. Um, and then that didn't, with the kind of all the feature set that I wanted, 10k just wasn't really enough. But then, so then I found some app developers that I really wanted to work with um, and ended up doing like a cash equity split with them. Um, so paid them like 10 grand and they got like 5% equity. Mm-hmm. um to make up for the other 20 grand um and then yeah so then the apps launching pretty soon in the meantime so because um obviously app development takes ages so i wanted to set up more facebook marketplaces at unis across the uk um, while we wait for the app to launch so we're, we're actually at like 35 unis at the moment and we've got oh, wow. fifteen thousand students spread out across the hazard pages
1: and so what what is the that's really exciting with the with the investment and i love how you approached it just kind of you know that that only going after money when you feel like it's the next step and you really need it yeah like i think that sometimes there's a bit of a let's raise money for the sake of it because it sounds great and you know it'll make me make me sound really successful but that was like a clear use case for it and it was
0: yeah
1: the, the next step in your business and i think that's when investors are, are much more keen to put some money behind it because there's like a real purpose for where the money's going So I think that's really cool. Um, and so what is the big vision kind of future plan for Hazard? Do you see it as something that will just stay within universities or do you envisage a kind of much more sustainable way that we, you know, buy clothes full stop?
0: Yeah. So, so I hope that by the end of the next academic year, we'll be at most unis in the UK. Um, at the moment, I'm kind of setting up like kind of official partnerships with the different unis. So I mentioned that we, we've we got a head of Hazar at the different unis, so we're very, like, student-focused, but I've actually found that getting the universities, like, more formally involved as well is really good, and, like, their support's quite helpful. So I hope that we'll be, yeah, pretty much every uni in the UK by um, by summer um, 2022. Yeah, that's, that's next year, isn't it? Yes. I forget, forget <laughs> what year we're in. Yeah, and then I don't see why, like, what we've created in the UK couldn't be expanded to, like... To Europe, like European unis and like globally as well. Um, but then also, again, like what we've created in the student market, again, I did not see how why that couldn't be like picked up and then put into different markets, like, like for example, hospitals, schools, um, just any kind of cloak, like tight-knit community. Um, at the moment, I wanted to really focus on students because that is like a niche. Like obviously I could try and create a student a marketplace for all these different groups, but I just don't think it would have been it would have worked as well. Um, so at the moment, I just want to, fo- I'm, we're just trying to focus on students and nailing the student market. And then cool. in terms of expanding in the future, like I'm so open-minded to yeah. where that will go and don't see why the whole zero waste marketplace thing that we, like we're creating can't work in other markets. 100%.
1: I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned specifically like the other places that students were going with amazon and primark which was which is sort of the antithesis of what you're doing in many ways so what what i've interested is your views on primark and amazon and do you, like do you think that they're all bad or do you think it's just a case of rebalancing or i don't know if you have any views on on the wider like issue of, of you know sustainable fashion
0: yeah Well, I I don't know. I just think it's funny. So in terms of sustainable fashion, this will sound quite silly, but I actually feel like I don't know heaps about it. So I've chosen to do my dissertation about sustainable fashion so that I kind of learn a bit more. And I only started my dissertation last week, so I don't actually know heaps still. Um, But um, in terms of Amazon and stuff, I just feel like, even though in my house that like, everyone is like very interested in sustainability and like tries to buy secondhand as much as possible, there is still Amazon parcels arriving pretty much every other day because of the convenience element. Mm. Um, not for, yeah. like, I like, I don't order from Amazon myself, um, but so I feel like it's the convenience. People people often push sustainability aside when it's mm. because of they're saving money or convenience. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's and it's- Amazon does give people that
1: it's an interesting dilemma because like Amazon have been the absolute kings of making it as convenient as possible and a great experience for the customer like it is an, an amazing experience you order something and it comes yeah. the next morning and yeah. that it that is an incredible achievement. It's just yeah, it's that I guess it's that kind of it's that moral dilemma between convenience and what's actually good for the community and the planet so it's just, it's a strange one
0: yeah no exactly because it's kind of so in my dissertation i'm doing it about um because you know the boohoo scandal where basically they were um yeah re- they were reported to, to to be paying workers only like three pound fifty an hour and yeah like, that's to right find their workers with pp in the factories but then despite that boohoo sales rose by 45 percent like throughout lockdown but then during this during that scandal the uproar on social media around boohoo was just like crazy everyone was like this this is horrendous company this is happening yet people continue to buy from them so what yeah. is it why even though consumers seem to be more like ethical minded at the moment and like they're very aware of sustainability and like human rights and everything why are they why are we still continuing to buy from these companies that's it's almost like like ignoring the ethical issues that we're aware about yeah um,
1: it's like but, we, we're so we happy to say that that's what we care about but actually when it yeah. comes to the buying are, yeah. are, are we
0: yeah, exactly. and, and, and I guess that's,
1: that's where maybe it's more of the responsibility of the business because you hear a lot about, well, like Amazon, they do make it so easy to buy and exactly, al- yeah. almost addictive and, you know, yeah. and like almost like manipulating your mind because of like models they use and all this, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just does really shines a light on the yeah. on issue and that regulation might need to come in a bit more.
0: Yeah, I, I think as well, like there's no reason why sustainable businesses can't also be super convenient. So, for example, with Hazara, something that I actually forgot to mention is that our kind of main USP is that there's no postage that's ba- based on you buy online, then you meet up in person, hand over the item, which is super convenient because when you're at uni, you're like, you, everyone lives, well, at my uni, everyone lives within like a mile radius of each other. You want something and in, in the morning, you're like, oh, I wanna go out tonight, I wanna get a pink dress, whatever. You go on the app, you find a pink dress you want, and within, 20 minutes you've got, gone and picked it up yeah so it's super convenient and it gives that what amazon gives with the whole like kind of like immediate like gratification like mm-hmm. you just get it yeah um so i think and there's like there's have you seen etsy as well yeah have you seen
1: yeah. that yeah so they're
0: like an app for um where like there's like small businesses and they're way more sustainable than the likes for amazon um so i just think sustainable businesses need to focus on kind of making it a bit more convenient for their customers and then hopefully people will just kind of switch and there's definitely been a rise in small businesses and obviously we can see like the shops in the high street kind of like dying out and people I don't know people love people people want to be unique as well especially young people like they don't want to be wearing something that they walk down the street and there's 20 other people wearing like so you can kind of avoid that by buying from small businesses and like reworking your own clothes and Kind of Absolutely making
1: your own stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, I completely agree. Like if you just buy from Prime Markets, yeah, it's the same item that everyone might have, and there's nothing worse yeah. than having the same yeah. clothes as someone else. Um exactly. I, I really like it. I, I think that there's there is a best of both worlds, and I guess you know, it's people like you who are innovating and trying to make that the case. So I wish you, you know, all the best of luck, really, in your in Thank your venture. You. The last thing I did, did just want to touch on, we chatted a little bit before about role models and, and finding Stephen Bartlett, who was a bit of a kind of leader in the, the thinking for you, starting your own business. Um the, a lot's also been talked about with about women in business and in technology and in entrepreneurship. Um is that something that you feel like yourself? Do you do you feel like there is a lack of of women role models um or like examples? Or is it something that's, that you haven't really thought about?
0: Um, something that I haven't really, no, yeah, I haven't really experienced it too much. Like, but maybe I've kind of sought out, like I've kind of found, like, really inspiring women myself um so one of my main mentors um lady called beverly shaw um her and her husband founded a company called click iq um and then within a, a year of setting up the company they then sold it and to indeed and kind of for like quite a lot of money um and she's incredible and like so i've and then i've my app developer um so obviously they their their company did like invest as well and that's owned by a female um so I have kind of, and my, to so my investor. so although I said that it was a, it was the guy that I did work experience for, it's his wife who actually, who I like work with closely. So obviously, so I've kind of surrounded myself with like really inspiring women. Sure. Um, so it's not something that I've experienced a lot. Like I suppose when I was starting out and I was trying to like learn from different people and like different like tech entrepreneurs, like it was mainly, I was mainly on calls of like men pretty much every day. Um, but it's just not something that I've really, being, I don't know if that makes me like, I don't know if that's like it's me basically. being naive or whatever, but like, I just don't really see, I haven't really felt it. I don't feel like, I don't really see a difference. I don't, I don't really know what to say. Like, yeah. I, I, it's not really. It's interesting. Basically. I think
1: the, 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 the crux of it is that the media makes almost quite a big deal out of, oh, there's not enough. There's not enough women like examples mm-hmm. and the media probably, promotes more examples of like you know the the young rich like sexy male millionaire sort of entrepreneur type and that's what makes the most headlines but actually like as you've just said there I think there's a much more realistic um variety of entrepreneurs out there and it's just a case of if you do embark down that path like it, it's not often what the media makes out like just find people who yeah. inspire you on a day-to-day yeah. basis no,
0: yeah um you know there's no denying that like in tech entrepreneurship like in all the like, tech companies like they're mainly owned by men and like that this space is definitely predominantly male dominated but i just don't i am just personally don't see it like as in mm. maybe i choose not to see it it doesn't like it has no doesn't really phase you it doesn't phase yeah. me basically is what mm-hmm. i mean Yeah. Like. Um, if I'm on a call with a man or like a woman, I don't really care. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not something that bothers me, basically. Cool.
1: Awesome. Well, um, Harry, I just want to jump into the final round where I ask my sparring partners a few questions just to round things off so um yeah quick fire so my first question is what's something that you believe that most people or most people around you don't or something that you don't believe that most people do
0: well I read these questions earlier and I was thinking oh god I don't know what to say to them so so I would say I don't know if other people don't believe this but I kind of really believe in like a hundred percent taking like a hundred percent like responsibility and accountability for everything. So if ever anything goes wrong, even if it potentially could be viewed as not being my fault, I just like I just and no, if it like implicates my life or other things whatever, I just take responsibility for everything. So like I would never blame anyone for anything. Like, does that, do you get what I mean?
1: Yeah, completely. I think it's a uh, yeah, it's a good trait of a, a leader um especially in in business so yeah I like that one I guess there yeah there might be a few times where you have to have an exception but I think having that mindset of it's my responsibility rather than looking to blame is is a good one um awesome my second question is how would you like the world to be different in five years time
0: um I'd say more like judge free so you can kind of just people just people are kind of trying to follow like no people trying to aspire to like happiness and like to like fulfillment and like just doing whatever makes them the happiest rather than kind of striving like materialistic goals and stuff Hmm. um so just kind of just everyone just being like free to do what the hell they want and rather than having to follow stereotype like kind of i don't know a set path and do stuff that doesn't actually make them happy
1: Yeah like it very in line with the unboxing ethos and uh (laughs) yeah to to round things off um instead of having a track to play you into the ring like in boxing you get a a track to um play you out as after you you drop the mic so what would it be and why
0: god again this question i was like i don't know what to say um maybe touch the sky by Kanye West
1: nice nice i think he's come up because i like the song
0: and Pardon. I have you had that song a of times? No,
1: no, no, no. Not touch the sky, but we've had Runaway Kanye. by Kanye, I think. So yeah, what was your yeah. reason for that?
0: I just love the song, really. And whenever I go for runs, I always listen to it. And it makes me just feel like, woo. So there Good you go. Stuff. Hopefully I'd have I'd have won the boxing match. So I'd be going out on a high. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, yeah, I think you've you've had me on the ropes. Um <laughs> thanks a lot for your time, Harriet. Um, it's really really interesting to chat to you and yeah genuinely wish you um, really well with the venture and I look forward to hearing how it goes
0: thank you so much i gotta testify come up in the spot looking extra fly for the day i die i'm a to touch the sky gotta testify come up in the spot looking extra fly for the day i die i'm a to touch the sky
1: when they thought pink polos I hurt the rock Before cam got the shit to pop The doors closed I felt like bad boy street team I couldn't work the locks Now let's go
0: Take them back to the plan Me and my mama hopped in that U-Haul van Any pessimists I ain't talk to them Plus I ain't had no phone in my apartment Let's take them back to the club At least about an hour I stand on line I just wanted to dance I went to Jacob an hour after I got my advance I just wanted to dance